Last week, we had JB and Shelly up here with couches, and we shared part of their story and a story of pain, but a story of redemption. And I heard from many of you, you love that story, and I know many of you have reached out to them already. And we made that super easy for you last week if you were here because we gave you one of these cards and it had a QR code on there. Uh, I've still got that. If you missed it last week, they might can share that later or, or you can uh, come see me and I'll, I'll have it for you. I'll just leave it here as well, right here. You want to help me? Thank you very much. All right, and tonight, guys, a Super Bowl. I don't know if you got plans or not, but um, I've got Super Bowl plus tacos and shukos, and so and granizadas. And so, if you can beat that, okay. But if not, then you should be here. And so, I hope you'll be here. Game starts at five thirty. I understand, um, and I don't have um, I don't have a dog in the fight perhaps so much, but um, I know some of you do, and I'll do my best not to make not to offend you. Um, we'll cheer for whoever, whoever the majority is, uh, but it'll be good. It'll be on the big screen and I hope you can join us tonight. The parking lot will close this afternoon and then reopen. I think about four 30, it's four or four 30. I'll try to confirm that. All right, kids, you can go now. All right, and we've, uh, toward the end of this service, guys, today, we're going to do something a little different, is that we will, um, we're going to have a, an extended prayer time, and we're going to pray specifically for miracles of healing, divine healing, that only comes as God gets involved, and as we've been talking this year, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I, I personally have too much experience to think otherwise. And so if you're here today and you would like to be prayed for, you have any kind of physical um, condition, could be diabetes, could be something with your liver, could be, uh, could be cancer, could be uh, a, a bad joint or something, whatever your need is, I invite you. I'm going to meet over here on the side. I've already got, save me some space over here, guys, and, and we're going to pray for the sick over here. And if, that, if you're here today and you... You, be, you believe as well and you want to be a part of that, then just stay after the service. We'll gather over here quietly. We're not trying, there's no show, but just um, linking our faith together to see what God will do in these circumstances. Uh, th that's, that's what it is to ask a God for a miracle, not just sing about it, but to ask him to actually move. And I'm going to be bold enough to do that today, and I hope that you'll join me. And if that's new to you, I, I hope that you'll come and be a part of it. Come and, and, and look and listen, participate. Uh, I've got some oil. I, I love this oil. This was brought to me by a friend from Israel. It is the sweetest smelling oil uh, from Israel. And I, I've left it open today because you might get, a, you might get a, a sniff of it. It's pretty amazing. And oil often representing the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture and um, just gives us a sense of His presence. And that's where I want to go today as we look at New Year, same God. 
New Year's same God. And looking at worship, if you have um, uh, been watching a little bit, you may have heard uh, this past week in my home area of Kentucky, uh, last week was the anniversary of a 1970 revival at Asbury College that started in their chapel service. That was last week. It was the anniversary of that. Well, this week, um, they, they had a chapel service. The chapel service ended. A few people stayed around to pray, and then it grew from that, and so chapel service, as far as I know, it's still going today. It started Wednesday. It's gone 24 hours a day without stop. Revival. Revival. What that is, and I, I've heard uh, comments from some that I know and some that I'm, I'm following that are telling me that, uh, that the, there's a, like a tangible presence of God in that room. You, you can sense the presence of God in the place. And it, it's not anything crazy. It's actually very calm and peaceful, but still undeniable that there's a presence of God going on that is bringing people to salvation and that is bringing people to repentance. And then they're praying for healing and they're praying and seeing some incredible things of God. And so some of the people that are there and have been there this week are coming here and will be in this very room very soon. And, and some colleges sent students this past week to go there and experience it in hopes that they might come back to their university and revival break out there as well. And so it's like carrying a torch, carrying a flame, carrying an experience to another place. And, and that happened in 1970. And this week, has, this story is broken that others have talked about, well, I was a product of that 1970 revival. Because people in groups of students went out and they shared what God was doing and they went into many places and it altered the path of people. They heard from the Lord. Uh, a good friend of ours, Jenny, I heard her share this morning. Her father was there for the 1970 and he was a pre-med student. And he ended up from that 1970 event, he shifted course went to seminary instead of medical school and went on and just this past year or so retired as a, uh, as a pastor in the U.S. The presence of God and the ability as we take responsibility for what that means for all of us is that it could lead us to a different, to different decision making. We take on the responsibility of his presence ourselves. I'll begin with that today and I, quickly recapping where we have been. We have talked about prayer, being a people of prayer in this new year, not just saying, I'll pray for you, but let me pray for you right now. Or entering events and seeing this is a mess, let's pray and see what God would bring into these circumstances. We've talked about Mephibosheth from 2 Samuel cha chapters 4 and 9. Um, he was dropped when he was five, causing him to be lame in both feet, and yet he was invited to the king's table. And I, I shared that story because I and many of you have been dropped. It was not our fault. And yet the king extends an invitation. 
We've talked about discipleship and what it is to navigate this natural world with a supernatural mindset and what, what activities constitute discipleship. And last week we talked about relationship. And in that process of hearing the testimony from J.B. and Shelley, we, we heard a story of pain. We, and, and through that we, ex, we saw darkness exposed. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to definitely check out this QR code and look at the resources that we've given you, including the Heart of Man movie and many more, and personal contact with JB and Shelley. We shared that with you and we shared that with everyone that was here because I wanted to expose uh, darkness and give the opportunity to expose shame and, and the spirit of lust and adultery that has affected this very room and break the power of that in the name of Jesus. And that's what happens when shame is exposed. And when shame is, when, when stories are shared in safe places, shame is exposed. And that, that's what we've shared this past week. Today I'm talking to you about worship. I'm talking to you about what it is to have revival and to carry the presence of God. How we create an environment that honors the presence of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading. We'll use parts of this entire chapter, but I want to begin reading there in verse 1. And I didn't give you a chance to shake hands, so why don't you stand with me today for the reading of God's Word, give you a chance to stretch, because this might take me a while today. I don't want to leave you seated too long. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 1, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God. And Ahiho went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. 
And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Father God, I thank you today. God's so grateful to be in this house today. Grateful to share your word and describe what it is to walk in the spirit, to, to be a person responsible, God, for your presence. God, I pray today as we explore your word that there will be a personal challenge for every person within the sound of my voice and that may be watching online today or in the future. God, that you would use this time, use this time. Lord, lead us today, challenge us deeply, and find us to be good stewards of your presence. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Share this, you may be seated. Uh, share this with you today. As we look at the presence of God, this is Old Testament and it's a different day and I want to describe that for you and also give you instructions what it is today for those of us that are part of a new covenant and part of a new testament. But there's great principles, I think, from this chapter, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter if we don't get to it all today. But as you look at this, this is a story of, in, in the life of King David. He's, he reigns over the nation of Israel for 40 years. And one of the most important decisions he makes at the beginning of his kingship is to go and reclaim the ark. This ark had been uh, taken and lost in battle as Saul had lost the ark of the covenant while in war with the Philistines. And it's been missing now for 20 years. For 20 years, it had not been part of the spiritual um, atmosphere and trajectory of, of the nation of Israel. You see, in, in this day, and the, the presence of God in the box, if you will, in the ark, and, and, and part of Part of the worship of Israel for once a year, the, the priest to go into the Holy of Holies where the, the ark would have been and there would be a tent around it and, and the priest would go in to make sacrifice on behalf of the people and interact with the, with the presence of God. But for 20 years it's been absent. 20 years they've not had that. An entire generation, 20-year-olds, Growing up without experiencing that priest going into the Holy of Holies. Growing up without the presence of God impacting their life. You would only be able to tell the story and not be able to really experience that as a nation. It, it had great spiritual implications for the nation. And so David gathers 30,000 young men with the idea of going back. And taking the Ark of the Covenant. Here we are 
uh, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. And the Spirit of God no longer dwelling in places or in a box, but dwelling in people. No longer in places, but in people. The temple of the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? This is revolutionary truth as, as the apostles would share this with the early church. No longer did you have to have a special temple or a special title in order to interact with the presence of God. Now the fullness of God's Spirit takes resident in your life based on the faith that you have in King Jesus. Revolutionary. Incredible. And yet, something we still perhaps struggle with today. I remember coming to Guatemala. I, I, this is 20 years for me, my first trip to Guatemala. And I entered into a facility. It didn't look a whole lot different than this. But I, I went to, to walk up to the front and I wasn't allowed to touch the front. And I, I, what do you mean? Well, well that's, that, that's the temple. Are we reading the same scriptures? And they explained to me what they looked like and and how I needed to keep the kids back, and I, and I, I wasn't allowed to be up there, and, and yet I still see elements of that. That's why I share with you that this right here is a pickleball line during the week. And if I had to, I would take this stage that I'm standing on out, because I would just as soon walk among you anyway. I understand it works better for the camera, and you're able to see me. But if we can't break old school temple mentality, it'll have to go. Because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We sing about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I don't want us to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan has called that the forgotten God. That somehow we, it's easier to keep the Holy Spirit in the box. The presence of God. Because, well, yeah, there, there, are, there are crazies out there that, that manipulate and blame the Holy Spirit. There are, I, I have seen and experienced firsthand how uh, foolish and false teachers have manipulated the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. But good news for you is I have experienced the real deal. And I'm not here to play games with God or play games with you or ever manipulate. But I'll stand here today and I, I tell you, my, the prayer on my lips and the core of who I am is come Lord Jesus. I want to experience the presence of God. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to be filled and he's promised that he will. And I've heard yet still, you know, from many of you, you come in here and you say, wow, the, man, the presence of God was so real with us today. And what happened? Because sometimes, yes, the presence of God is upon us and with us. And, 
And that is my prayer today. It's my prayer before I got here. Come Holy Spirit. Come rest on us. And lead us. And that there be no doubt who's in charge. And who's created the agenda for today. See, we can't allow fakes and phonies and hypocrites and manipulators to cause us to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's, that's an expression. I'll have to share that with you somehow on social media. But the imagery is you have a baby in a little bathtub and you just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'll share that later. But it, 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 it is what I see, though, that we often do in the church. That we're so afraid that the Holy Spirit may move in one way, even upon us individually, that we are afraid of what that might look like. Because we haven't really expressed ourselves since that youth camp back in 1998. At that point, we became undone. We became undignified. And yet... From that point, you, you start to feel a, a, the warm tear running down your face and, oh my goodness, we better pull ourselves together. But we can't have ourselves becoming undone. We can't become undignified. We can't let someone else see that we might be a bit broken or that the Holy Spirit might, might impress some godly sorrow upon us and, and cause us to, to worship in a way that, that, that perhaps causes us to not look ourselves and have ourselves all in a certain way. God help us. The Holy Ghost, the temple of the Holy Ghost. I love about this passage is that David comes into authority and upon his heart, upon his mind, is we have to bring back the ark. It has been 20 years since we've had the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, and, and we've got to bring back the ark. Business as usual is no longer acceptable. We can't go the way we have always done it. I would say that this has been the theme. I don't know details, but I know that there was a prayer group called The Furnace that had been praying specifically for revival at Asbury College before anything started this past week. That somehow that God began to impress upon them that it, you know, it, it had been since 1970 and that it was not acceptable and to get where we are going and where we need to go and to experience a move of God, that th we've got to rediscover a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. And that's, that's birth in prayer. You look at every major move of God throughout history that I am aware of, and there was, there was a burden of prayer that there was a precursor to anything that you experienced when, when God shows up. People began to pray. As we read through this passage, and you see that in verse 3, that, that in, in moving the ark, that they had decided that it was a great idea to create a new, a new cart. Let's get the latest cart from Price Mart. I have one. 
and let's put the ark on that and then we'll move it. Because this is a people that understood instructions like in Numbers chapter 4. Take some time and read that this week. As the Lord gives instruction to Moses and Aaron how that the ark is supposed to be moved. And there were very clear and detailed instructions of how this was supposed to be. It was, it was to, to be carried only on the shoulders of the Levites and priests. That was how the presence of God was to be transported. Transported, in this case, from the land of the Philistines and back to uh, J- Jerusalem. That's what that would have looked like. And they, ha- they knew that, but let's, cr- let's do a better way. Let's build a cart and let's carry it that way. That's how you end up in that spot. And is it not often the same in our own experiences? Is that God shows up and God begins to move and we want to build a cart. We want to have a program. We want to have a system. This, this is the kind of mentality that has crept in the church. 41 years experience I have now, guys. Walking with Jesus, hearing the latest and the greatest and going to the conferences and hearing how to get organized, hearing how to create leaders, hearing how to, how to do everything under the sun, how to build a cart, if you will. And we've created leaders and we're struggling to create disciples who make disciples. I'm not going to call anybody out today, but I because I've, I've been through all that too. We've created leaders, but not always, not always the kind of leaders that would carry the presence of God, that would carry revival and would be models of worship. It's people who carry revival. E.M. Bounds, some of you may have him. He's written some of the greatest books on prayer and how to pray. He's a 19th century uh, Methodist minister, but he talked about this similar idea. Is that He said that the church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. You see, we've always got, we're always ready to build a cart. Let's, let's put our hand... And let's, let, let, let's do our own system. Let's make things new and improved and better. And you see how this ended in the Old Testament for uh, Yuza. He reaches out his hand uh, to control and steady this cart that he has uh, used instead of following the clear description from Scripture. And it doesn't end well. The oxen stumbles. Stuff happens. Life happens. You and I stumble. And we try to control what God is doing. And we try to control ourselves. And we build our we build our carts and we build our and we depend on the oxen. We depend on others. Here's what will happen when we hear, and I mean right here. We experience revival when men and women will take on the responsibility and recognize that you are a priest unto him. And you've got the responsibility to put the presence of God on your shoulders. 
that it is not, see, it's not enough for the pastor to be revived. I saw years ago and someone shared a message with me and talked about revival and, and drew a circle and said, let, let revival begin right here in this circle. That's on you. That's on you, man or woman of God, that the Holy Spirit might lead you, that you would recognize that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, this place today, this, this presence of God that we, that we sense today is because two or three are gathered together in his name, filled with the presence of God. Not because, and we gather on a pickleball court. See, when you carry revival for yourself, the, there's, a, there's a weight of responsibility. You sense that. You, it's on your shoulders. And you'll, when that happens, you'll begin to watch what you do. You'll ordain your steps and you're, you'll join me in a prayer to redeem the time because it's important. It'll be you carrying it for yourself and your family and your sphere of influence and, and you'll operate every day with a fear of God upon your life to help order your days. You're personally involved. You're not just a bystander. You're not just someone sitting in the back of the room today hoping to never be challenged and escape as soon as there's amen and get off to lunch. That's not what you're about. You're not depending on someone else. You're not depending upon a cart or a program. But you're seeing today as an invitation from the Lord Most High to come and you personally get involved in His harvest field. That you see it as your personal responsibility as a priest unto the Lord. The way this goes down and in verse 6, they mention the threshing floor. That's where he puts his hand on the ark, but it's, it's the threshing floor. It's the place where the wheat and the chaff were separated. They used what was called a winnowing fork. It, it looks like a pitchfork if you're thinking of a, something like that, but it's, a, it, it's just like a fork. It's forked, and, it, and you lift it, and it separates the wheat from the chaff. It's a, it's a place of separation. They would throw that into the air and the wind would blow away the chaff and leave only the good grain on the floor. In scripture, the threshing floor is where Ruth met Boaz. On the threshing floor is where Gideon set out a fleece before the Lord. On the threshing floor, the prophets ministered to Jehoshaphat. On the threshing floor, the Lord sent his angel to judge Israel. You see, every move of God that takes people to the place of choosing, a place of consecration with a question, is God enough? Is what he, is, what he is offering enough? Because we like to get things in order. You like, you, you like to calculate your risk. You think that you need a certain element of a list of elements 
in your toolbox and in your arsenal. And it sometimes looks like, well, when I, when I complete this degree and when I complete this skill and when I have this much in the bank account and when I have this many people surrounding me to help me and when I, someone gives me uh, the facility or the vehicle or the tool and then at that point I'm able to move forward and and. I'm going to tell you today that I, I just sense that the Lord is speaking that you don't need exactly everything that you think you need. Some of you overpack for every trip that you take. That's your nature. You pack your bag for your trip and you take your bathing suit just in case, in case you're going to need it for the pool. And you know there's no pool there. And you take your towel because there may not be a towel there. And you take your hair dryer because some of you need one. And you're afraid there won't be one there. And so you overpack and your bag is stuffed. And, and you get to the, maybe you're on a plane, you can't even get it into the overhead bin. Or you're overweight and you just pay it. And you're doing your life and your personal ministry the same way. And it's the Lord, our God, the living God, who leads us to the threshing floor to a place of choice and a place of separation where the wheat is separated from the chaff and he reveals to you just as a surgeon with a scalpel to cut away those things that are excess and those things that you don't need to prepare you to keep moving into the direction that he has called you to go. He's like a surgeon. And he leads you to the threshing floor. Some of you for 20 years, the story's not that much different. It's been 20 years since the ark has been. And someone was disturbed enough to say, that's enough. And David went back for that ark. And it could be for some of us that we've been in the same routine, the same sterile, sanitary, Christian walk for 20 years. You may have raised your children and they have, they have not seen and experienced the presence of God that you experienced years ago and decades ago because it's been two decades or more. I want to raise my children in an atmosphere of revival. I want to raise my children and grandchildren in an atmosphere of the presence of God. I want them to know that he resides in me and he'll reside in them when they commit their life to Jesus Christ. I've got to wake up a church today that will reflect the same, that will embrace we are priests unto God, we are temples of the Holy Ghost, and we're not afraid of the Holy Spirit. We might say... Just simply say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and rest on us. Lead us to a place of separation. Trusting that you would invite some people to the threshing floor this very day. God's continually inviting us to the threshing floor, this place of separation. The wheat from the tares. He allows us to examine ourselves and illuminate those areas and show us those areas that we actually need, not what we think we need. 
That's a real key to spiritual maturity. For you on your own, in your study, in your reflection, in your quiet time, to allow the, the Holy Spirit to be able to show you this is what you actually need. Not what you think you need. And so God cuts away and takes away, frees us, frees us to be led by him in a way that we didn't think was even possible. That threshing floor, it's a, it's a place of separation, it's a place of choosing. And you can be thankful you're not in a spiritually dead church today that won't even challenge you or ask you to do anything different. Where you can sit in the back and you can leave and you not be challenged. And this is not that place. You're in a place where we will seek the face of God and encourage you to do a self-examination to allow him to take you to the threshing floor. And once he does, it, it's the Lord leading you then to a, a valley of decision. It's him inviting you into a place of commitment, a place of leadership, a place where you're using your giftedness, a call, a mandate upon your life to where you have to, you have to allow him to, to lead you and take away the excess. You see, you can't manage the presence of God. You either let God have his way or you get out of the way. And that's what we're going to do here. We're not going to try to manage. We're not going to try to create a program. But week after week, day after day, I hope that you'll join me. And we're seeking God. We're seeking your presence. We want to be led by you. We want to know what you have. You are, a, you are the agenda. You are the outline. You are that which we seek. And once we do, I can tell you it gets a bit uncomfortable. It means that, yeah, we can't, we can't have just a 60-minute service and then have another one and another one and another one. It means we can't sing your favorite song every time. It means we can't have this perfect structure, but it's a place where the, the presence of God leads us. I want that. I don't want some religious experience. I don't want us just to be some kind of a country club or some kind of comfortable, neat place where the community gets together and pats each other on the back. But if you're not here, I hope that you miss being here because you miss being in the presence of Almighty God. Well, what if we get offended? Let's read about that. In verse 13, as David had successfully he'd moved the ark from one Philistine location to another, and at this point, they, they get it right, and they follow instructions, and here's what they do. They begin to move the ark, and they go six steps, six paces, and then they stop, and they sacrifice oxen and fatted Sheep and David is dancing before the Lord with all his might. Do we have that photo? 
I'll try to give you a photo so you can have a visual. Now, I think this ark would likely be covered. But this is what they're doing now. They're carrying the presence of God on their shoulders. 30,000 young men behind. And David has danced with all his might to where he's down to his linen cloth. And he, Scripture says that he danced and twirled, leaped and whirling. Uh, in my version, in verse 16, leaping and whirling. So he has danced this way. Let me pick up there. And now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, in verse 16, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So, she brought the ark of the, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David burnt, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now skip down to verse 21. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. But she accuses him in verse 20. I skipped over that. I encourage you to read all of this. But she's, she's poking at him. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David says this to his wife. It was before the Lord. It was before the Lord. In other words, I have an audience of one. I'm not here to impress you. And I'm not here to impress anybody else. The great leap that you might make individually as a priest, as a man or woman serving before the Lord, might be that your worship becomes, that you are worshiping before an audience of one. You might need to close your eyes. See, for some of you, maybe you've never, you've never done anything. You, you just kind of sit here and you don't know what to do. I, I, I was there. And once upon a time, I, I finally got the courage. I wasn't worried about anybody else. And I, be, I began to raise one hand. And then I, then I had it on another occasion. I thought, you know what? I, I, I think I can even raise two hands. And then other times I got down on my knees. And I've also just laid out on the ground. However I feel the Spirit of the Lord leading me to worship, that's how I worship. I usually am up here and my eyes are closed because I can't be distracted by you. I have an audience of one. And so my hands will be up and my hands will be down and I may drop to my knees and I may fall on my face. But I have an, it is unto the Lord. It is not for any show it is not to impress you. It is because I am a grateful servant of the Most High God. That he has redeemed me and redeemed my life and given me so much to be thankful for. And sometimes I'll, I'll laugh and sometimes I'll cry. And I don't really care who's watching me or, who, or who's taking notes. It is not to you. That's what David tells here to his own wife. He says, it's not, uh, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, get this, I will play music 
before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. For as the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. And there were consequences for that. Michael, the daughter of Saul, she had no children to the day of her death. Let me back up and recap this for you. Several things here. The distance from Obed-Edom to Jerusalem was 7.5 miles. The average distance that it takes for you and I to walk a mile is 2,000 steps. If you're not too short, it's going to be 2,000 steps. You're going to take six steps and you're going to sacrifice. Stop everything. Stop 30,000 troops. Stop this ark. We are going to sacrifice and show reverence for the presence of God. With 2,000 steps and 7.5 miles, that would come out to 15,000 steps for David. And every six steps, he stopped to sacrifice a bull and a calf. That's 2,500 times he stopped to sacrifice. 2,500. Great sacrifice. Great sacrifice, but for the presence of God. Not in a rush, not in a hurry, not 60 steps, not, not 600 steps, but six steps, and we're stopping. And these verses and dealing with his wife, she's a critic. She's a critic. Most, most critics you find have, are a disappointed person. They've missed out on something. And that could be the way that it plays out as we talk about the presence of God and I, and I ask you to allow the Lord to invite you to the threshing floor and you may, you may sit in this room and the temptation may be to be exactly like David's wife was to judge what, how somebody else's worship is. And I'm telling you that would be a mistake. Because you don't know, you don't know what inspires my worship. You don't know what steps I have taken. And you don't know that for anybody else in this room. You only know you. And the presence of the living God invites you to the threshing floor, to a place of choosing and a place of taking responsibility as a priest to carry the presence of God. And you can sit back and do nothing. And you can sit back and be a critic. But God help us for those that do. God help us. We were never meant to be critics of the worship of others. Jesus said it like this, if you've forgiven a little, you'll love a little. But if you've been forgiven much, you'll love much. Or we can look at the, the costly perfume Broken at the feet of Jesus. Some said it was a waste. And Jesus said, no, this was not a waste. This beautiful fragrance. This was not a waste. We look at today, folks, and look at what God may be calling us to do. How that we, in a year where it is a new year, but it's the same God. 
What would he speak to you? What, what would it look like for you? If you've never expressed yourself in worship at all, would the next step simply to be God in obedience? I'm going to lift one hand before you. Or God in absolute, you've, you've done that. You've, you've been okay with that. Or you do this. Or you know, it, it Maybe the Spirit of God's been impressing upon you. It's time for both, guys. I'm worthy. I'm worthy of your highest praise. And you've been resistant and you've been reluctant and you've been a critic of others. Maybe they're just putting on a show. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But maybe the presence of God is challenging you. Worship him in a different way. Or maybe it's time sometimes that you fall on your knees. And God, you've been so good to me. I don't feel like standing. I feel like kneeling. And for others, you... It's time you just went down. In an act of humility, not worried about anybody else around you, but overwhelmed perhaps by the responsibility of carrying his presence on your shoulders where you go. It's an invitation. See, David danced with all his might to the point his outer garment came off. The only thing left was his linen ephod, which is the clothing of the priest. It's like David was a king on the outside, but he was a priest on the inside. Before he ever had the title of king, he had taken down the giant. He had taken down the bear. He, it's like he had been in with the Lord. He, he had a, a heart after God. Before he was ever a title, he ever had a title, he was a priest. And I'm afraid that sometimes that could be exactly what it is for us, that we... <laughs> Somehow associate with a title. You know what? You got to be a pastor, or you got to be some title within the church realm before you can carry the responsibility of the presence of God. And I'm praying by the clarity of of Scripture and by the Holy Spirit today that you maybe, for the first time, some of you would sense the need and sense the opportunity to take upon yourself the responsibility to be the priest that God has called you to be. That your steps would be ordered and that he would redeem the time in your life and where he has placed you to be a carrier of his presence. I want to invite these, the band to come and play today. And, and I'm going to remind you as, that there's a time of prayer happening today after this service over here on my left Father I thank you today for the great privilege it is to live in the day when we are sons and daughters of the most high God that we are priests and today May you strip away our outer garments, the titles that we think we have.
that we may see ourselves as priests, responsible to carry your presence. We're tired of carts and substitutes and programs, but we desire you. We seek first you and your kingdom and your righteousness, believing that all other things that are often a distraction, believing that you will add those to us. Today across this room, there are those that perhaps that need to take a next step. It's been 20 years or more. Maybe an entire generation, we have not experienced the presence of God. We've experienced programs and religion and, and we ourselves have, have quenched the Holy Spirit. We have shut you down because we didn't want to look humble in our own right. We wanted to look like and appear like we had it all together. And God, you calling, you've called us and you're calling us even today to a threshing floor, to a place of consecration, to a place where you perhaps will take away some crutches and some carts and some things that we have built up and overstuffed our own baggage with. But God, today you'll strip it away because God, you're calling people and you're pouring out your spirit fresh and new. Lord, have your way. God, in my life, God, I'm not exempt. Sometimes the ox stumbles in my life and I'm tempted to reach out my hand and steady that cart and and God, I, I, want, I want to surrender me. I want me out of the way. But maybe you'd move by your spirit today and speak to the hearts of others gathered here today. Maybe they're tired too. Business as usual. Religion and church as usual. It's been enough. And today we want to invite you, Lord, fresh and new. Come rest on us. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, you will accomplish that much and more. 